Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. For four weeks over after in July and what have you, I taught on the fear of the Lord. Because I, as I shared, you know, I began to read articles and all manner of stuff. And it, everywhere you look, people were in ministries around the world were talking about how there's so little old-fashioned reverence for God in the churches today that we don't really understand the fear of the Lord. We don't understand that it is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. There's nobody in here can call themselves even a little bit wise if they don't understand that God is because knowing God is is the beginning. In other words, the thing that opens the door to even understanding information much less accumulating information to the point it becomes knowledge and then wisdom, is to have a revelation that God is. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So anyway, we taught on the fear of the Lord for like four weeks. And then I shifted towards this whole thing about really understanding the last part about the vital signs of your salvation, knowing that you're saved. And uh, <clears throat> last Sunday, I kind of went nuts, just rapped for about <laughs> 75 minutes on uh, a bit of First John, wanting to introduce First John. But again, because I wanted to get us to the point where we know that we know that we know, because sadly, there are so many people in the body of Christ, quite frankly, they still, well, the old saying is this, they're not assured of their salvation, but they don't know. They don't know the difference between conviction of sin and conviction of Christ. In other words, they don't understand the difference between sin as it was and sin as it is today. And even that's confusing to some of you, I know, and that's what I want to get to here, just hopefully maybe just a little bit. What I mean is because we spoke last week, just uh, the main one of the main verses I went to was 1 John 3. And in 1 John 3, it's, it's where it said, Now by this it is clear who have the nature, who take their nature from God, and who take their nature from the devil. And, you know, like I said, I want people to know that they know that they know that they know that they're saved. They've been changed. That exchange between heaven and earth has happened. And again, God's word says, this is how it's made clear. If you've taken your nature from God, or if you're still having the nature of the devil. And it says two things. Number one, it says you no longer practice sin. And again, it's really important that the word practice is in there because it's everybody still sins. And again, we have to even be careful with the word sin because the moment you say sin, that three-letter word carries a huge diversity of pictures to whoever hears it. They think of, oh gosh, you know, a thousand different things. And I don't want to downplay it, but you know the word sin, literally it's an archery term, remember, that means to miss the mark. You didn't hit the target exactly where you were supposed to hit it. Well, there's nobody in this room, not even Bobby, who doesn't still sin. Sorry, Bobby. But you, occasionally, ha! Anyhow, everybody in this room still misses it every day. Right? And so it says there's two things that absolutely prove that you're saved. One is that there's no longer, the way I shared it last week is you no longer pursue sin. 
that's basically what God's saying. In other words, there's not, nothing in you that want, that's looking for an opportunity. I, you know, where you used to wake up wanting to go to the clubs, or you wanted to wake up looking forward to the weekend so you could get high, get loaded, do whatever you did that was wrong. Where you used to look forward to that. There's, there's nothing in you. I mean, that's to me one of the greatest miracles of life is to know, I know I'm still a very, very young man, but to know that, you know, that there's, there's nothing in me. And that's, I'm not boasting, but it's just, it's an incredible thing when you know what you used to be, to know that there's absolutely nothing in me that looks for an opportunity to mess up. I mean, that may sound so simple, but that's one of the keynote things of really knowing that you're saved. And I just want you to know that you know that you know that you know. I mean, that you really know, because hell comes every day with condemnation, believe me. One old man said all those years ago, if there's any good thing you can say about Satan, it's that he is a consistent old cuss. In other words, he's on his job 24-7, whether you are or not. The second thing it says that is a clear sign that you're saved, that you know you're taking your nature from God, is that you love one another. Hallelujah. Oh, how simple it is. And oh, how people have no idea what we're really talking about when we talk about the love of God. Tomorrow I'm going to be in Leicester uh, teaching four hours on the love walk all day. And I was thinking about it just this morning, just for a moment. I pulled out some of my notes and stuff, and I'm, I just wrote on the top of it because I wanted to remember it about how, you know, the love of God is not this soppy stuff. You know, it's not that look that Julie gets in her eye every time she looks at me and melts. <laughs> you know, and actually it's when I look at her, you know, when a husband looks at his wife and goes oh how I love you you know what I mean it has nothing to do with the world's definition and the thing is humanity the human mind when you mention the word love they think the only thing they think of is the stupid soap operas they've been watching or whatever the world says love is, is that feeling. No, it has, has zip to do with that feeling. Remember there's four Greek words for love. I don't want to get, you know, phileo, storge, eros, and agape. Phileo, like where we get the word Philadelphia, which means brotherly love. Storge, S-T-O-R-G, is a Greek word. It means a little stronger attachment. It means affection is what the word means. It's like when, you know, you begin... you. Put your arm around somebody, you love them. You know, there's just a greater intensity. Eros, of course, only means sex. It means bodily contact. And then there is indeed that word that it is true that wasn't even in existence. I, I heard people preach that, and I kept, and then I heard other people said it wasn't true. Long story short, I researched a bunch of stuff, and it actually says that the Greek, the, the and there was definitely nothing in ancient Greek, but even in the um, earlier Greek, the first century Greek, what they talk about, there was no such word as agape at all. But when this dude from Nazareth, this guy born in Bethlehem, this kind of fellow we call Jesus, this man we call our Lord and Savior, he manifested something. He carried something with him that was so different. That was so selfless. That was so giving. It was so different that they coined another word. 
agape, or over here, some people call it agape. I don't care how you pronounce it as long as you start being it. But those are the two clear signs that you know that you know that you're saved. There's no longer any desire in you to pursue messing up. And there's something you just want to love. But again, you want to love with the God kind of love because you begin to discover, and like I said, I, you know, the first three years of this church, you know, when I, Julie and I took the church, some of you have been there, you'll remember, I taught for three solid years on the love of God. I mean, for three years, God wouldn't let me have any, he told me I don't want any other speaker in the church, not even my own wife. I want them to hear the voice of a single shepherd until I tell you otherwise. And for three solid years, all I taught on the, I went through every single epistle and taught the love walk out until I couldn't teach it no more about the relationship. About every facet of every epistle is based upon this foundational truth that we understand. If we're going to be godly, we're going to have to be lovely. It's just the way it is. It, and that's why, again, it is the most fought topic, truth, doctrine the most that there is. Because the more you yield to the love of God, the more godly you become. Satan does not want you to have a revelation to really understand that the love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. He, he doesn't want you to explore the depths of that. Because when God sees his love in people... I hear it again. When God sees his kind of love in people, I'm going to say it one more time. When God sees his kind of love in people, he sees himself. Right? Just say right anyhow. And the thing about that is if God sees himself in people, well, guess what? God can trust himself. In other words, he knows I'm looking at a vessel that can be trusted with things like the gifts of his spirit. Trusted with words of knowledge. Trusted with words of wisdom. Trusted with the revelation of the words of your mouth being able to overcome problems in somebody else's life. Where you can begin to use your words like a surgeon uses a scalpel and cut disease out of their life. Cut heartache out of the life. Cut the pain of abuse out of a human soul. This is the deepest topic there is in all, all the scriptures. This is the deepest of all topics of all scripture. And just for the sake of it, I got to say it again. When I first came to this nation all those <clears throat> 30 years ago, and I, <clears throat> like I said, you know, when I, I was speaking in different conferences around the nation and in Europe and stuff in that time, and and these guys had this big conference up in the north somewhere. It was big for England, about 3,000 people. And these three guys were like some of the three of the big cha-chas of all of Britain. And, and uh, we were sitting in like the green room before, and they'd never met me, and they just met me. And they just, because some people have said, you know, this guy, blah, 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 is a t- he's, a, he's a Bible teacher, you know, whatever. Anyhow, but they, when they asked me what my theme was going to be, I said, I'm going to teach on the love of God. And they, I actually watched their face go, <sighs> what I mean is it's kind of like, you know, like, oh, we're going to have another dude tell us about how God loves us. And, you know, God loves you. God loves you. You know, 
And you see, I knew that, bless their darling cotton socks, you know, that they had no more idea than a hog what I was talking about. Listen, I learned a little bit about God in that I understand that just possibly, just possibly, God is pretty powerful. I said God is maybe pretty powerful. Just maybe. Just maybe, right, John? Just maybe. There is nothing that can stand against God. He is the creator. No devil is a challenge to God. God is not afraid of Satan. You do know that. To the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, all authority that Satan had from the fall, remember, was stripped from him. Jesus took it back and delegated us with it and said, go ye into all the world. You do this stuff. But God's not intimidated by any of that. But again, see, this is what I mean. It's so basic. But you, you see, that's the love that God's trying to communicate to us. We're not talking about an emotion. We're talking about God. The love that we're trying to talk about, the love that God's speaking of in First John, is the love God has for us that actually has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Therefore, it means we have the capacity to love like he loved. We're commanded to love one another. We're not requested. John 15, 34, and 35, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. And a second is like unto itself that you love, again, one another as you love Everybody else. <laughs> no, it's just the word commandment. And remember when you heard me teach it all those years ago, the word commandment, the definition of the word commandment is a decree or a declaration from which there is no retreat. You've been commanded. You haven't been asked. And see, this is the most basic beginning of Christianity is to have this understanding. I don't love you because I feel like it. It's not because you do everything right that I'm going to love you. I've been commanded to love you with the God kind of love. Now, the question is, do you actually want to be a vessel that carries intrinsically the authority of God. Do you actually want your life to be a life that changes other lives? Really? Now that's a question you have to answer. You can nod your head here. (laughs) But that's a question you have to answer. And if you do really mean it, then guess what? The major study of the entire rest of your life always has to be encapsulated around the revelation of what does God's love look like? How do I allow God's love to be manifested first to me? Can I dare to believe the love that God has for Rod Anderson? Knowing every stupid thing Rod has ever done in his life, can God still love me? Can God still love me for the rest of my life 
even in his foreknowledge, knowing every mistake I will make in the future? Because those are the questions that especially young Christians, they flip out about. Oh, my God, I know. I just, I messed up so bad last night. I screwed up again. I messed, I'm like, you know, and, you know, and I'm, they get so condemned. And they don't understand the basic truth. You, you know, hell wants you to run from God. God wants you to run to God. When you mess up is when you learn to run to him. You don't run from him, right? <clears throat> so, so, like I said, I, I don't want to open up anymore because of how far we'd have to go. I just want us to understand we don't love people. We, you don't wear your feelings on your short on your on your shirt cuffs. I, you know, I'm angry at Casey because I don't like the necklace she wore. Uh, just no, I'm just saying. You know, I mean, people today in the body of Christ, we're supposed to we call ourselves Christians. Remember, the word means little anointed ones. And we, we get our feelings hurt all the time. We, you get your feelings hurt. You get your feelings hurt. Bless your darling heart. And God just wants to say, would you please grow up? You can't follow God and be concerned about your feelings getting hurt. I don't know if you actually just heard. I said you can't follow God, not really be a disciple of Christ and worry about your feelings getting hurt. And so if you're still one of those people that are just so super sensitive that you don't, shouldn't have said that to me. Oh, my God. Listen. I know you know this, but it like, it's silly that we have to say it. Of course people hurt you. I said, of course people hurt you. Why do you get so surprised when you get hurt by people? That's the job of fallen people. Sadly, that's the job of many people in the church that don't know God. They hurt other Christians. They hurt people. They got big mouths. They love to gossip. They, you know, they rip up, you know, backbite people, especially pastors. <laughs> Hallelujah. People wonder why I don't have many clothes because the back of them is all ripped out from every time I... Walk out of a service, you know, Kenny's done tore me up so bad, man, that I, you know, there's nothing left of my jackets. So I have to wear vests and stuff and find old shirts. No, but, you know, honestly, it's just that, you you know, see, God, we're called to be, and it is true. Like I was, I'm reading, you know, Roland Wharton, who was our worship leader that became, he's a spiritual son of Julie and I that Julie actually found when we started the prayer school in Emmanuel all those years ago in Marsham Street. And, you know, he's got stolen from us because of Cindy. I'm opening my big mouth to Cindy Jacobs. And Cindy spoke to this pastor in Texas, and they stole him from us. But uh, Roland wrote this book, Emerging Worship. He was a worship leader, just an incredible touch. And I had, you know, I read bits and bobs of it because he asked Julie and I to put a, you know, a, a full, not, not a forward, what he could, you know, make a recommendation, and our names are in there. And he refers to Julie and refers to me. And I'd never really, really sat down and read it. My God, I started reading it just last week, and I went, you know, I emailed him the other day and said, my God, man. I said, I hadn't, the statements you make, how profound, uh, how unbelievably profound the revelation you have of music and sound and, and worship and the difference between priestly worship, prophetic worship, apostolic worship, and how we need, it just on and on and on. But uh, T. 
to move forward in Christ, you have to learn to rise above the petty stuff. And nobody in here that doesn't have opportunities for strife every day or something. But I, the way God spoke to me all those years ago, in any type of a situation like that, somebody has to choose to be the bigger man, the bigger person. And you just say, not me. I'm not entering into the darkness. One step out of light is a step into darkness. I'm not going there. I'm, I mean, I'm really not. And boy, does that take exercise. Patience, because when somebody hurts you, you know it's 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 a lie to say it doesn't hurt, but you have to know how to excuse, dismiss the hurt. I mean, really, no, I'm not going to let that penetrate my spirit. And hell works to keep it lingering up here. Keeps bringing. Oh man, why why did why would they? But you just have to learn. You don't understand. We're called, Jesus said we're called to bless and not curse. And, you know, oh, God, show them where they're wrong. <laughs> no. We bless those who despitefully use us or persecute us. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, it's not just some silly statement. He means it. He means it. But it is, the question is, again, do you actually want... Christ in you to begin to manifest. If so, you're going to make the personal decision, I'm not going to live based upon my emotions, upon my feelings. I'm going to grow up a bit. I know that my God will never leave me. My ultimate source of peace, joy, fulfillment, embrace comes from the Father. It really does. See, it's one thing to be, you know, to be religiosity, religiositized and say that. But it's a huge difference when you've spent enough time with him that that's the truth. All I'm trying to say is this, you know, we'll move forward next week. God wants us to really recognize if you know the way you're going to know that you're saved, is by two major issues. You no longer have the pursuit, the desire to pursue sin. And I was going to get to it. I even got a quote here from Spurgeon, but I, I, it's, it's, too, it's too late for me to get to it. And next week, I want to show you the difference between the sin that you were saved from and the sins that you continue to make in the future and so that you can have a peace about the fact that you're not perfect yet. Anybody here perfect yet? Andrew, you're pretty close back there. You know. <laughs> Looking around, Tommy, nah, you ain't. Mm-hmm. Matt, smiling, but no, Matt's not perfect either. Kieran, you perfect, man? Sure. All right, I'll ask your friends. Denise, David's perfect, isn't he? <laughs> Ooh, I'll leave that one right there. No, I know I'm my dumb humor. By this it is made clear who take the nature from God, who take the nature from the devil. He that takes his nature from God no longer practices sin. And he that takes his nature from God loves the brethren. We love. I mean, I want to love. But you know what? It goes beyond. I've been commanded, so I'm going to love. Hallelujah. I'm not going to wear my feelings on my shirt cuff. I'm going to. 
put on my big boy pants, as they say. <laughs> Amen? Sorry? I know, I know I'm an American. I'm not supposed to say that in England, but I don't care. <laughs> it's too late now. I've, I've messed up so many people in 31 years over here. <laughs> Let's love one another for real. I'm not talking about phileo, storge, and definitely not eros. I'm talking about the agape of God. Quit laughing. I'm talking about the agape of God. You watch it. What is wrong with you, Kenny? Pray for Kenny, please. Yes. But we need to agape one another. And remember, uh, God also quit cursing people that don't know God. Quit cursing New Age people. Quit cursing people that read palms, you know, whatever song. Quit, quit cursing uh, Satanists because God doesn't. God loves every single one of them because in his heart he knows they're searchers. They're all searchers. I said they're all searchers. Yet we still have tons of Christians who when they see like a tarot card shop, we command that shop to burn down right now. You know, we, hallelujah. All in the name of our loving God, burn them, burn them, burn them like a piece of bacon. Burning down, you know. Really, seriously, don't we? Don't we? I'm, you all know you've been in churches where they, you know, bless God, we're going to pray, well, God will burn that place down. And it'll serve them right, those heathen. <laughs> and you know, Jesus, he, you know what I'm going to say already, we taught on here. Jesus, remember when the disciples said, do you want us to call fire down? Remember when Jesus turned to him and he said, whoa. He said, no, he said, you don't know what spirit you're speaking from. And I would Rick Joyner all those years ago. He said, if you're the kind of person that's wanting to call fire down on folk, you can't, it's not the Holy Ghost you're going to go to. You're going to be going to a demon. Because that's the devil that wants to do that. Ooh, you mean, never mind. It's the truth. So don't do that stuff. People don't know that a curse is broken by a blessing. You don't further empower a curse that's on someone's life or that's happening in a city. You break the power of a curse with blessing. Amen. Father, I give you thanks for today. I thank you for the music. I thank you for a time of worship. I thank you for the incredible grace of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Father, that you are very intent upon taking us from strength to strength, from glory to glory, from faith to faith. And I do thank you, Father, for the unique calling that's on this small group of worshiping warriors. I really do thank you, Father, for the revelation as, as we worship and praise that we love and we fight. And I thank you that you teach us how to go in and out and find green pasture, Jesus, like you said you would. So we do indeed speak life and blessing over every person in this building. I want you to hear me. I speak life and blessing over every single one of you. I speak it over your relationships. I speak it over your career or your business. I release the very life of God into your decision making you will hear the voice of the good shepherd and you will say that to yourself you will look yourself in the mirror and you will say I will make 
divinely directed decisions. I will hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. The voice of a stranger, I will not follow. I am the head, I'm not the tail. I am above, I'm not beneath. I am blessed coming in and I am blessed going out. And no devil is going to prosper his thinking in my mind. Because I am a child of God. We sing it, but I thank you for the revelation. I am a child of God. So I thank you, Holy Ghost, for your blessing upon our people. I thank you that everybody in here goes out of here blessed this morning. I thank you even for those who may be trying to fight it. I'm asking for you to surprise them in the next 24 hours. I thank you that they will get alone at some point and these words of yours are going to come echoing back into their spirit. And they're going to do what your word's always going to do. It's going to give understanding. It's going to strengthen. It's going to reinforce. And it's going to liberate. Because everywhere you are, there's liberation. It is, hallelujah, a liberation day wherever you are. So we give you praise, Father. Somebody say we give you praise. We, we give you praise, Father. Amen. Amen. Stand up with us. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 